Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Mulan, The Rise of Skywalker, and I'm happy to be joined by uh, I'm happy to be joined by a super group of uh, Disney correspondents as I'm once again joined by Maya, who's usually a Marvel correspondent, but she's here to talk again about a non-Marvel thing. Maya, thanks for joining What's up, guys? Yeah, and uh, Joe Morgan, who's our animation slash Disney live action remake correspondent, who's <laughs> talked about a lot of these with us. Joe, thanks for being here. Of course, Josh. Happy to be here. Yeah, so Mulan is the remake of the 1998 Disney animated film. It's directed by Nikki Caro. It is a much different spin, I would say, on the 1998 film, but at the same time, it still has some pretty similar plot points in that it you know it follows a young female title character who lives in china and it's being overrun by uh, some other warriors that the huns in the original movie i guess they're called the roran warriors now and they're aided by a a shape-shifting witch whose name i'm gonna butcher but i think it's something like uh jinyang uh, per law, when there's a war, every family must contribute one man to the fight. The only man in Mulan's family is her crippled veteran father, uh, so she absconds with their family's armor and poses as a man to fight the war with her family, but such an action is punishable by death for a woman, so she has to navigate just all the perils that come with that while trying to actually uh, make it as a soldier. Uh, guys, I'm going to start with Maya because, like I mentioned, I've already talked about a lot of these movies with Joe. And I know you know your Disney pretty well, Maya, but I'm kind of curious because I don't actually think I've talked about Disney live action remakes with you. I've, Joe and I have had like so many conversations about these and our, our conflicted feelings about them and the merits of them and all that. Uh, where do you stand at this point on Disney continuing to do this with all of their classic animated films? Are you very cynical about it and do you just think it's a big money grab and this is just a, a wasteful exercise or do you actually get something out of these movies and have you enjoyed the ones you've seen? Well, as an unofficial Disney princess in a past life, I will <laughs> have to say that I don't hate or balk at the idea of Disney remaking these movies. I mean, imagine that you're a kid now and you grew up watching maybe some um, movies that maybe your parents also grew up watching. So let's say Cinderella, Little Mermaid. And seeing these remade with, you know, a live action um, spin probably gives you a new, a new light, a new perspective, and it's a new excitement. So for Disney, yes, it's a money grab, but for nostalgic factor for not only kids, but their parents, it's, it's something that, um, they very much look forward to. And it's the same with every single remake, including Transformers. I mean, which, you know, eight-year-old boy who grew up with Transformers, you know, figures didn't go and see it when it first came out into theater. So I don't have an issue with it, but I, I do, um, you know, have some, uh, I'm going to say some disappointment points in this movie in particular that I didn't really have in many of the other remakes. I think, um, minus Lion King, which still frightens me to this day. <laughs> um, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, significantly happy with the remakes that they've done. Um, and, and I think in this particular one, there was, it's not that I, I didn't like it. I actually thoroughly enjoyed it, but, and we'll delve a little bit more into it. I think that there were some elements that they just completely overlooked and I couldn't understand why in this movie, whether it was for the sake of being um, more authentic to the actual historical culture or whether it's because they didn't want to, to be a copy and paste I can't say for myself, but I'm 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 going to let that happen for the rest of the conversation. <laughs> interesting, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I want to circle back on some of that, Joe. I when we talked a little bit about this before we recorded, you kind of uh, you kind of intimated that you might have had some more compli complicated feelings about the original Mulan compared to some of the other Disney classics. Uh, what, what 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 were your feelings going into this one as far as like what you saw as the potential for making something like this stand on its own merits? You know, uh, and when we talked about these in the past, I think my general feeling with the Disney live action movies is that they are more successful when they don't try to carbon copy the animated original, which like, is basically just, exactly what Lion King did. Yeah, I, the Lion, like I think you and I both are on the record not liking the Lion King remake <laughs> from last year. But uh, yeah, overall, like uh, I laughed at your Rise of Skywalker joke at the beginning because this feels like what if the Mulan, but a Star Wars or a Marvel movie, which. <laughs> I mean, hey, like it was an enjoyable time. Like I sat there and I watched it and it was different and, you know, there you go. But uh, yeah, just overall, I still I still think I am partial to the original version. 
version, as is the case with most of these. Yeah, when, when, actually, when I uh, when I was taking some notes when I was watching the movie, I actually had a more uh, detailed uh, comparison laid out, not just uh, Star Wars. I had I had Rise of Skywalker times Yentl times The Matrix times Alfred Hitchcock's Birds. <laughs> so, which I I, I, th- I think it's all there if you think about it enough, because you see the Matrix move like five different times during the battles in this. There's like attack, <laughs> attacks of hordes of birds, and I mean, yeah, I mean like Yentl and Mulan kind of have their own similarities on their own. I, I, I just, I wa- Yentl was one I watched during <laughs> quarantine. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, Yentl was one I watched during quarantine and then it just like popped into my head. But I think uh, I, Joe's right as far as him not changing this up. I mean, I don't know if you're of the opinion, Joe, that it's the best one. I don't know if Maya's seen this movie, but I know, Joe, Joe, you like Pete's Dragon. I think Pete's Dragon might be the best of the ones, but I've never seen, the, I've never seen the original Pete's Dragon, which I, so I don't think that's a coincidence that like, I have no <laughs> idea. I have no point of comparison for it. And I just really liked it a lot. I mean, David Lowry is a very talented filmmaker. Uh, so, but the thing is like, I do respect when they try and do something different. I don't know if Pete's Dragon was doing anything different because I had nothing to compare it to. Whereas I've seen all the, the originals of all the others. For instance, I really respected the hell out of what Dumbo tried. Dumbo is actually one Joe and I didn't do. I don't remember why we didn't do it. I did, I did talk about that with a couple other people. And Dumbo, like, I, I thought it was, like, really smart how it, like, burned through the first, like, the entire first movie in, like, 40 minutes and then became, like, it's all, the whole thing became a metaphor for show business or whatever. But it's just it lost the thread with that Michael Keaton character who became ridiculous. And I'm like, I, I, I didn't think that movie stuck the landing. Uh, so I, I respect when they, like, at least take a swing like that. And same with Aladdin. I thought Aladdin was one of the better conversations Joe and I had because, like, that had its... its it really had some really strong things going for it and that it like gave Jasmine a lot. I haven't lot... seen it yet. I'll oh. be honest. Okay. Yeah. Well, what, what I'll say Maya, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, no, I think it's worth watching. It gives, it gives Jasmine like a lot more stuff to do on her own than the first one. And it's really smart, but I, some of my problems with Aladdin are just kind of like the pacing and the, the plotting of like the very last act. And I, it, it that, that's where it is like a carbon copy of the original. So it's like, I think these movies, like I respect when they try to do something different, even if they're not fully successful, but I like the stuff. I think that Aladdin changed better than I like the stuff that like Mulan changed. I don't necessarily blame it. Cause I think everyone kind of expected it to be like different in tone than the original. I think people were excited when they saw that preview where it looked like it was going to be a more serious war movie. It was PG 13. You couldn't expect it to necessarily be the same thing in tone. And we'll talk about the music. It, 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 it's, it makes a very deliberate choice with its lack of music, but I, I don't even know if that's my biggest criticism. I think my biggest criticism is like a big plot thing that it just adds in there, which I joked about at the very beginning is that, uh, it's use of the, the whole element of chi. And which is its equivalent of the force if we're making Star Wars jokes. And I think one of the things that's appealing about the very simple story of the original is that it's about uh, a woman that proves on her own merit she can be as good as any man in the movie. And here, and all the men become impressed with her when they see how she can fight with the use of the chi. And it's like, I don't, I, I don't think the movie really justified its use of this very big plot point when I just think it kind of undermines some of the better message of the original. Maya, you seem like you might be disagreeing, though. I, it's not that I disagree. It's that I agree that um, using chi in order to like or the element um, of of magic in the chi, which is a, a very, it comes from a very um, you know ancient and very well beloved. Um, I'm going to say tradition that they have there. So I, I don't necessarily think that that was their worst um, their worst faux pas in the movie. I think the fact that they made her infallible from the beginning where that is not Mulan. Mulan is a human being who does a selfless act, has to overcome her own fears and anxiety in order to become the greatest warrior. It's based on a true story. So they're not necessarily stemming from something that is outside of um, a realm of realism, but for some reason, and they did the same thing with Ray. They made her flawless. Every other character that um, they've presented, not just male, um, but female characters, they have something that they have to overcome, and that rite of passage is what makes them great. That just never happened in this movie, and that was my biggest complaint about it. Joe, did you have a strong reaction one way or the other to just the arc they gave the character in this compared to the original? Yeah, and to go off of what Maya said, like one of the most charming things about the original Mulan is when you first meet Mulan, she's pulled an all-nighter studying. She's like writing notes on her arm. Like she does like the outrageously clum- like she's outrageously clumsy throughout the whole uh, matchmaker uh, se- sequence. And it's just, you know, it really like the movie has a lot of fun with that. Whereas in this one, we don't really get that at all. And um, yeah, she's just like, you know, 
I mean, the worst thing she does is she breaks a statue and, uh, yeah, and, and, the, and the whole matchmaker sequence I think sticks out in this movie because it it is humorous in a way that the rest of the movie really isn't. It, it, not, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it has humor in it, whereas the rest the rest the rest of the movie is humorless. But at the same time, the thing that she screws up there it's the fault of a spider and other people telling her what to do, and as opposed to her actually messing anything up. But I, I mean, I, or a cricket going rampant. Let's yeah, be right. realistic. That's the best part. And now the cricket's a person, so. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 well, that's another interesting thing. I, I mean, I think you guys both told me you went back and rewatched the original, uh, except I probably wasn't. Immediately as, after. Yeah. And I think a lot of people that I've heard talk about this movie, they watched the original like in anticipation of it, whereas I also went back and watched the original afterward, and I probably hadn't watched the original since like middle school. So I really even I had like no point of comparison for like the cricket or what what that even meant or what it even meant to have a character named cricket and I I I, I just wasn't even thinking about any of the ways that it kind of did or did not crib from the original which I think affected I mean just my viewing experience and I'm probably glad I watched it that way because who knows I thought the original was a lot better and I would have been comparing them like even more. But uh, and I think that can be like a dangerous thing to do with these movies. If you like come in way too familiar with the plot points, I think I saw Lion King like a hundred times as a kid, which is uh, way more than Mulan. So I didn't even rewatch the original Lion King. I still had like all that stuff like in my head, and I remembered so many lines, and I, I, I could just tell it was a shot for shot remake as I was watching the one last year. I didn't I didn't have that in my head here, but at the same time, like I knew it was kind of it was maybe missing like an element of humor and something like that. And I I mean I don't know. Like I said, I I definitely. Um, I, I hear what you guys said about like Mulan just being being more perfect, but at the same time, like I I think they could have addressed the cheese stuff like in more depth and kind of just justified its existence in the story at all. But I think the other big difference, though, aside from that, aside from just her skills and what she comes into the movie with and her abilities, is just the the tone of the movie. And I think you could argue that like they've made all these other movies to this point for the, for the for the kids more so than the adults, and there's an argument to be made. This is like more of an adult movie. Joe is someone who's had a lot of talks with I'm sure me and other people about like uh, who they make these movies for and who they're actually aimed towards. And we always talk about like oh, there's actually stuff for the adults in this too. Did you see anything in here that you're like oh yeah, like I think this will really appeal to the little kids also? Um, you know. Yeah, I mean, like some of the humor in the movie definitely uh, plays off of that, but the movie does lose a lot of its goofiness, and like that is, you know, to its to its fall and to its uh, credit. Like um, to kind of flip that question slightly, I felt the stakes of Mulan being a woman hiding her womanhood much more intensely in this one, and of course, that's going to be the natural comparison with the change in tone and everything, but. Uh, yeah, like just I feel like her 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 relationship with her fellow soldiers is so much more adversarial in this one, and you kind of feel the pressure a bit more. And um, you know, just you know, this movie has its has funny moments and stuff, but not nearly the the, the kid friendly stuff that you would expect. Because you know, you look at something like Star Wars, for example, you have like the cute little droids or the cute little aliens and stuff. And unless I'm blanking on something obvious that I've forgotten in the last 48 hours, like I don't think we had anything like that in this movie, you know. And so I don't think there was much there for uh, kids at all, actually. Like, well, I think adults can like even laugh at that stuff too. I mean, I, I shouldn't have phrased the question like that as far as stuff for kids. I mean, I think maybe it's just stuff to lighten it up. And because, like, I think a lot of Marvel movies are, like, really serious, too, at, at times. But, like, there's, I, I can't think of a Marvel movie that doesn't go for laughs m- oh, yeah. multiple times. I mean, is that something that you found yourself wishing there was more of as you were watching it, Maya? So I actually, the the moment that I knew that they weren't going to make this uh, geared towards kids, but they wanted to gear it towards the importance of the Chinese culture is the fact that this is the first PG-13 Disney remake. Hmm. None of the other ones were. were. Um, And I think they did this because they, they thought that by taking a more traditional stance, it would be honoring the Chinese culture a lot more purely. And I can respect that from their element. Right. And this is probably the prettiest movie that was just okay <laughs> I've seen in a while. But let's be realistic. Disney has something in common with Beauty and the Beast, with The Little Mermaid, with Cinderella, with Aladdin, with The Lion King. And it's that all of them are very successful musicals on Broadway that they somehow managed to make perfectly. And yet they can't do the same with a movie with 10 times the budget. 
I don't understand why they're just they're not getting the remakes of their own movies correctly. There's maybe one or two that were done perfectly. I think Jungle Book was out of this world. But when you're trying to remake a movie and you're trying to spin it as making it more, um, I'm going to say honorable towards a more culturally significant stance, then why would you take away all the things that made Mulan culturally significant? I mean, just because she happens to be based off of a real person doesn't mean that you have to completely squash her character. Like in, in a way making her infallible, infallible makes her lesser than human because you, you just, there's no, I'm trying to figure the proper way to say this. Well, well, well no, I get, I, well, no, I get what you're saying though, about like how it seems like maybe if you're taking a more serious tone towards a movie like this and trying to make it a little more straight laced and you're trying to like do a even handed, uh, uh, sincere homage just towards the culture and you don't want yeah. to you're you, they're afraid going for the tone of an animated movie might undermine that and i get that but at the same time do you and i i, sh- I should also point out that like i mean we're we're three white people having this conversation and we probably shouldn't yeah we, we probably we probably shouldn't be the ones saying like what what is the best what what is the best way to pay tribute to this culture but at the same time like i mean if you would adding in some songs really actually be a problem if it ultimately made it a better movie you know what i mean no i didn't hate the use of music in the movie oh, really? i thought it was actually done in a very nice way it was very I, I, like i said my biggest issue is the characterization that it, that is my biggest issue i like the way that they split the character i like the way that they um they brought jet lee into the movie which was like incredible um but i think what bothers me is that the best part of mulan was that she was an ordinary girl who did something incredible. She wasn't an incredible girl who did something because she just happened to, you know, that was her destiny. Right, that was my whole and, point, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, I didn't think she needed the powers. Yeah, exactly. Or, or even the the conversation with, um, I, I'm not going to even try to, to pronounce the character's name, um, but none of that needed to happen because all they were trying to say was that as a woman, because I was powerful, I was made lesser than, and, Oh, but it's not happening to you. So I guess I can help you. Like it just, it felt so flat for me, especially as a woman and who, who grew up watching Mulan and loved Mulan because she, she cut her hair and then she did the thing. And then she, you know, won war and I just didn't get any of that. Well, I think the movie. two big, I think the two big moments for as far as character decisions in this movie that really kind of stand out. If you go back and, and you just think about the big moments that any character makes a choice in this movie, are one uh, after that a- after her first conversation with the witch. I, I, I'm sorry, I, I'd rather not put her name. I'll call her the witch because I think she even refers to herself as a witch. But when her her first conversation with the witch, uh, she then uh, the witch tries to shoot her. Her 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 breastplate saves her from it, and then she, at that at that moment she decides oh i'm gonna go and i'm gonna uh fight as a woman and not hide it anymore which i actually like that decision as opposed to her just yeah. getting caught in the yeah. original and i think that's it's cool that she actually takes that makes that choice herself but also and, and then the other choice being when the witch sacrifices herself for mulan because she's i mean i actually turns out to kind of respect the fact that mulan like kind of proved her own worth amongst this big group of men whereas the men had treated the witch not so great I would say that, like, while I like that choice Mulan made, I don't know if they necessarily, like, totally actually set up why she made that choice, just as why it was very, very kind of rushed when the witch ultimately made that choice, and those are two big, huge plot points. Do you think either of those decisions were actually set up well as far as just setting up these characters' motivations? No, I don't think so. Like, uh, even, I will say, like, her decision to fight as Mulan as a woman, like, that's a very powerful scene. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know, like, I... One scene in particular I really enjoyed is when uh, she goes to Donnie Yen in the camp after they've taken the soldier's oath and she goes into the tent and she's like, um, like general sir about the three, about the code of honor. Like Mm -hmm. there's, you know, and she tries to come clean in that moment and then she doesn't get the opportunity to. And then he offers to introduce her to his son, (laughs) uh, to his daughter, thinking that, you know, she's a man like that that's that's something powerful that i think worked and honestly i don't know if that was their attempt to set 
to eventually lead to that or not, or if it's just a tangential thing, like, well, not tangential, obviously it's all part of the thing, but no, I hear you. Uh, though. Yeah. Like that, that was a scene I really liked. And, um, if that set up that, cause like, do I think it was set up great? No, but I still felt what they wanted me to feel in that moment. And I don't know if that's okay. the way they shot it, scored it. And they, um, and they had definitely, I guess I, I hadn't really thought about it in those terms. Like they did kind of set up that those, those, those symbols on her family's coat of arms, uh, armor, whatever you want to call it. They, they, those did mean something to her, at least. They, they had put in the work to show that. I, I, you know, um, just to also throw it out there, Donnie Yen, also part of the Star Wars universe, just saying. That's yes. right. Um, <laughs> as a side note, I was very happy to see Jet Li and Donnie Yen in this movie because I happen to love martial arts. And I think that seeing Jet Li just be like... I'm going to curse him. This the motherfucking emperor. Like it was so good. It was, it was so self-satisfying. I think that was way more satisfying than watching Mulan come across, you know, the, the fields, not mountains, the fields, um, with her horse in her, in her red garb, the reveal in the original movie to me was so powerful because they find her, you know, very vulnerable as a woman. And then she sees the Huns uh, rise up from the snow and then she decides to, you know, after being stabbed or shot or whatever she was, um, probably stabbed because mm-hmm. I don't think guns existed in the 300s. Um <laughs> she decides to go to the Imperial city and to save the emperor because that's her duty in, in that specific role, like her being vulnerable and using that vulnerability as strength was one of the things that sort of as, as a woman, I, I have never forgotten. And if I'm the same age, which I was six when that movie came out, if I'm six years old watching Mulan now, I will think, well, I'm unstoppable no matter what, and no one can tell me anything, and therefore I'm just going to go see the emperor. <laughs> I think I think having that vulnerability gives you strength, and I think that's a lot of a lot of people don't really recognize in this day and age, um, especially now that you know you can't be infallible forever. At the end of the day, like you, you have to do whatever is necessary to open yourself up, and then to take that openness and to give it give it all give your all get your strength and to conquer everything i can i can certainly still see how like that message would come through even if the movie didn't do maybe didn't execute on all, all fronts as we necessarily would have liked what, what did you guys think specifically about like actually how how this movie kind of timed it a little differently than the original as far as when she actually won the men over uh you know that was one thing i found a little interesting as i went back and watched the original after watching the first one was that here like after that first battle, like basically she in the live action one after the after after that battle where she's kind of revealed herself, like she's basically won the respect of all of her peers, just not her superiors. And uh, in, in the original, like uh, they basically like shun her in, until the very last possible second. Once like they, she, the, once they're wrong again after she's warned them about the Huns, and it's like do or die time to save the emperor. How did you think that? How did you think that was pulled off, Joe? As far as just like how she actually won the respect of everyone. The the scene in the movie itself where she goes to the camp and she rallies everybody. Like I see what they were going for there, and like to have uh, you know the split uh, Li Shang or Huang Li is his name. Uh, to have him kind of step up, it was like a, you know, certainly a payoff of their connection and stuff. But, um, yeah, I tend to agree with you. And, um, what Maya was saying earlier, I did like how Mulan like goes to the Capitol at the end of the original and cause she's going to go save the emperor and like, that's her duty. And then like, basically she's proved right. You know, like I, I do like the execution of that a bit more cause not a whole lot changes between Mulan winning the battle for them. And then Mulan coming back like, you know, Mulan wins, Mulan wins the battle for them in the middle of this live action remake. Right. And then she gets banished and then she comes back and she goes, Hey guys, I'm back. Um, <laughs> please, please don't kill me, but if you must, yeah, I'd rather go out that way. Yeah. Don't kill Which me. Which would but... totally go over well for a woman in China and like whatever it was 600. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, like they finally rally around her and, but I mean, you know, I just, I don't see between, between her different scenes with uh, her commanding officers in this, in this 2020 version of Mulan, I really don't see what much has changed other than, you know, 
the revelation that the the villain is coming to the city to get the emperor, you know, and. Well, one other, th- one other thing, though, I guess I, I forgot to mention, because I kept asking you guys to talk about the tone of the movie, and I, I should have brought it up sooner. Do you, do you think even a movie like, as serious as this should have had a presence of someone like Mushu? As divisive as it seems like Mushu was as a character in the original, as I'm watching more people talk about it, that that is one difference. Whereas, like, at the end where she has to kind of, like, go back and she, she, goes, she goes back to try and get accepted again even when she's been abandoned in the original though, like she still has Mushu with her kind of like encouraging her and stuff, which was something that I, again, as someone that hadn't seen it in a while was kind of striking to me. It was like, Oh, you got this guy, the, the presence of this character kind of there the whole entire time, even in the non funny parts that makes it, it in a way almost makes it still feel like quite not as hopeless as maybe it could have at a point in the new one. Uh, what, what did you think of just the, I don't know. It seems like she's just more, she's just, it's not, it's not even like, it seems like Maya. like she's just on her own more in this one because of that, regardless of how you feel about Mushu as a character. So did you think the movie was missing some other kind of presence, like another connection she could have had? Not even if it was just like an animated talking dragon, but did you feel like the movie benefited based on what it was trying to do by just having her be alone more because there wasn't a character like that on her shoulder? So I, I pretty much, hmm. It's funny because I would totally think that it's fine to get rid of the animated companion animal um, in this sense. If they didn't have to do, um, you know, the oddness with the the hawk um, transformer that they have. Oh, yeah. The, so what's going the, on with the phoenix? The, yeah. So the, the well, the, the phoenix and also the hawk, which they're, they're trying to make a callback to, um, you know, to Harry Potter, the original oh, movie. Okay. I get it. Um <laughs> Hey, you're you're all over the place. I'm like, <laughs> I am right there with Mulan. <laughs> it's funny. So like, so keep in mind, this is a this is a true story. Like, actually, like this is a fable that they've told in China for many years. It's the story of Hua Mulan. Like, mm-hmm. they actually they did a good job changing her name because like the Mandarin pronunciation is Hua, not Fa. So oh. I looked it up and I was actually really really happy to find <laughs> that out. So in my opinion, if you're going to try and be authentic. Why, why do you have to have a shape-shifting hawk lady that is like a witch but also a, a warrior? Just take one or the other. I, don't, I think that they tried to put too much while also taking out some of the fun. And there's, there's two parts of that that I, that I thought fell flat. Number one, in the original, her, hers and everybody else in the, the army grounds, I guess their challenge was to climb up the pole and to grab the arrow. And she ended up using the weights in order to lift her up. And they use that later on in the Imperial City to help save the Emperor. Like, there is a tie there. And not only do that, they now have to carry buckets, but she never uses that ever again. Like, that, that skill is completely lost. It is just, ah, oh, we did this in the original movie. taught her balance and strength. Nah, it, no, no. It is, we did this in the original movie, but now we're going to use buckets. <laughs> And, and I think number two, I, I feel like we were cheated on an opportunity to see Ling, Yao, and Chin Po in drag. And I'm still upset about that because it's the first time that they ever used the word cross-dresser in a Disney movie. And it was a huge deal. And it just, no, none of that is there anymore. It's gone. It is gone. That, that's it. And they, they don't bring it back. And if you're going to take one versus the other... I would take the three soldiers in drag, which is probably more believable than a transforming hawk lady. <laughs> no, and I, I also thought that it was, it was it was just hilarious that like use use of the music too. I thought when I went back and watched the original, it's like I, I'd forgotten that like they played "I'll Make a Man Out of You" as that was happening, which is just like all <laughs> sorts of funny. And there was layers to the joke of drop redropping that song in again right there, and I was like, "Wow, this is like." kind of funny that like this is still like an actually pretty well done action set piece here they're doing in this animated movie but they took the time for like a really funny uh sharp laugh at the same time and i really really respected that and it just such a thing wasn't a priority of this one and i I don't think it needed to strike the same tone as the animated movie but i do think there would have been moments where you could have done something like that here and there and it just didn't really have an interest in going you have donnie yen you don't have donnie osmond it's one or the other (laughs) but they did do one thing to call back to the original and that the lady who introduces Mulan is the woman who actually voiced Mulan. Right. And the reason why I knew that is because I'm, I'm like, 
I was such a fan girl as a kid of this movie. Like I'm, I'm going to be unapologetic about how much I love this movie. I love Pocahontas. I love, uh, I, I love little mermaid. I loved, um, Aladdin because, you know, growing up as, as a girl, Disney was my life. So of course I watch all of the behind the scenes and I recognize that actress <laughs> and I'm looking, I'm like, I'm like, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way. And then she gives like a little bit of a smile to the camera and then she walks up. I'm like, that's her. That's Mulan. <laughs> I don't, I, well, I don't watch, I don't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I didn't, Ming-Na Wen is on that. I don't know if you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Maya, being the Marvel person you are. She is, yeah. I mean, obviously. Well, it's not like she's been like gone for like for like 22 no. years and just all of a sudden back in the spotlight she's she's gotten to do stuff where her face is actually on camera so it's kind of so but it, but it was cool that like they found a spot for her i guess so yeah of course and, and i think that it's that it's the same thing as um as saying that you can't have the genie without robin williams so you have to do something in order to give him some um some reminders so they they have will smith which you know, very culturally significant. They, they, they didn't have the ability to do that because let's be realistic. A lot of the actors that voice these characters, while for the most part, they were, they were Asian. A lot of them were white and they're not going to bring that into this movie. I feel like that would be more of an upsetting situation than taking the music out of the movie, trying to, um, to do as much as they can to properly honor the culture, obviously, you know, considering that there's, more of a divisiveness about this movie right now, which people are, are commentating about. Um, but if the intentions were clear and sound, I don't have an issue with them not um, not adding any voice element to the movie. Because how difficult would it be to find somebody who has the authentic heritage, who can sing, who can speak English? I mean, it, it's not going to be an easy find. So versus doing that, try and honor the songs while not necessarily overstretching your actors yeah can can uh can jackie chan sing i don't know i don't know I yes don't, he I can I, I, he I, absolutely I, can and he's saying i'll make a man out of you there is a music video i will send it to you i did not know that i was just uh, that, 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 i didn't realize that was actually not just a 100 percent joke uh no <laughs> no, 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 no well, well no i don't I don't know. Maya, Maya said she actually liked, uh, was, was fine with the use of music. Joe, did, did you come in expecting them to play all the hits, or did you want a couple more songs? What was your expectation with respect to how the movie would handle the music? Uh, I just kind of went into it not expecting songs. Like I, oh, okay. I, remember reading, I remember reading some early interviews with Nikki Caro, and she just seemed pretty adamant that it was just going to be a departure. And I was just like, yeah, I just kind of get the sense we're not even get the songs. And I mean, the... You know, I, I hate that I don't know the name of whoever composed the movie, but there were some nods to reflection in the score and stuff too, which I appreciated. But um, music yeah, by I someone just, named Harry Gregson Williams, whoever that is. So. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, the nods to reflection were pretty cool as a fan of the. Okay, original. I, I didn't pick up on that. I guess I was thinking in my head like, oh, maybe if nothing else, they'll like kind of do like an instrumental thing of "I'll Make a Man Out of You" here or there or something like that. Even if they're not going to like all of a sudden break out into song was kind of my expectation. And I, I, I'm not familiar enough with it to pick up on where they're doing nods to reflection, but I, I think it, okay, that's cool if they did that. And it I was tr- like midway through the movie, but you're, you're <laughs> right. It was done really nicely, but I was longing for that moment where she has like a crisis of person and she wipes the makeup off her face <laughs> and she looks and I, I didn't get it, man. I didn't get it. <laughs> it's, you know, it's funny. I, um, there was a documentary recently came to Disney plus called Howard. And it's about Howard Ashman who um, wrote the lyrics to all the little mermaid songs and Beauty and the beast and some mm-hmm. of Aladdin and um, the, you know, the way he talks about um, music and especially in like the Disney animated films, it's just how like they are like these beautiful, funny, incredibly efficient ways to convey character and story. And um, I think that's a reason why so many of these work. And so it's just, the, these remakes have these challenges where they're damned or they're through, damned or they don't, because if they do it, then they're not going to live up to the original or it's going to be really hard to. And if they don't do it, then you have to find some other way to verbalize that exposition or that character moment in a way that is, with all due respect to the filmmakers who try, are probably going to come up short. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if it was just because of the songs. One thing, though, that I have agreed with when I heard other people talking about the original, I just want to make sure I don't people don't think I'm making some kind of original point, but I do think what's good about the songs in the original Mulan is that they're pretty effective, even by the standards of most Disney movies of like 
doing a lot of legwork and developing the characters, moving along the plot, and d- doing it with songs that are really, really good and catchy. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I, 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 it's, it's a hard thing to accomplish all of that, and it certainly does that. And I don't know if the – I just don't – I don't know if the, any of the characters in this movie not, – not saying you had to do it through song, but if you're not going to do it through song, I might have rather had better character development than this one had because I felt like I had a better idea of just like – who when I watch, after watching the animated of like who a lot of these people were and I just I mean I watched the movies within like within seventy two hours of each other and I just I, I even though like I, I may as well have been watching the original for the first time like I I remember what I'll make a man out of you sounds like but I really didn't remember a ton of the movie and I didn't remember what any of the characters really felt like themselves and I left that my viewing of the animated movie like really feeling like I had a good sense of who these people were. And I think the movie's even shorter. It's like really like 82 minutes basically. And I felt like I had a pretty yeah. good, and, and that's with a lot of it. And because so much of that runtime is devoted to song that shows you how much that those songs accomplished the character building. And I, and I don't know, I just, I just really felt like I knew who they were. Whereas I felt like I was watching the new one a lot longer and there wasn't really a whole lot of time for us to it felt like, feel like get to know anyone. Whereas I felt like I knew Mushu, I knew Mulan, I, I, knew her family a little bit i knew the superior who again i'm glad that they cut that guy into two characters it probably makes it harder to uh develop it when you add more characters in but it's probably better not to have a a whole thing with like is this person romantically attracted to their superior i mean yeah you know so <laughs> um if i could circle back to the mushu thing too yeah. um the lack of mushu here like one of the things mushu does in the original too uh in addition to being comic relief is he really allows mulan to kind of verbalize a lot of her doubts and her fears and like you really kind of get a sense of where she is mentally and her character development you know and in this movie uh like one of the dramatic questions i had as she was going through uh her training was is she going to confide in one of the other soldiers here and maybe in like um, that tension sort of filled the scenes with Huang Hui. I was like, is she going to come clean to him? Because she's just holding this thing and hiding this thing. And she's not able to talk to anybody about it. And like, I really felt like Mushu's uh, absence, or at least the absence of a character who's in on her secret with her. Um, we really kind of lost some of like her inner conflict, if you will. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, that, I, that's exactly what I was. Um, you said it better than I could. Have said <laughs> it, honestly, yeah, no, no, and I, and I, I think I think that's a pretty pretty good point to make because I when you don't have that, you're relying on just the character, the, the actor's face. And I did feel mm-hmm. like she was was kind of eating away at her. Like I did, I, so I want even though I'm I've, I'm kind of on the record now as not really liking the movie. That's not the fault of any of the actors. Like I thought she did a pretty good gave a pretty good performance oh, yeah. because uh, when you when, yeah. when when you don't have anything allowing her to just verbalize everything she's feeling, you're relying on her face acting. I mean, I, I I'm sure there's, someone could uh, give it a better term than that, but it's just a, how how she acts with just us the camera just sit, sitting on her. And I thought I she did feel pretty miserable during times at that camp, and I think that was their intention and. Uh, uh, the, the actress did a good job of that. I, I, is that. She's another one. I feel bad. I should have looked up how to pronounce these people's names. It's, I think it's Ife Lu or something like that. And I think I think she, I think it's a pretty good performance. Even if like I just I still like didn't feel like I knew the character as well as I would have liked. I don't think it's through any fault of the actress herself. No, it's yeah, not. And I and I think that that it kind of goes back to this is one of the prettiest movies that's just okay. And it has something to do with the actors. It has nothing to do with even the the um, original basis of the movie itself, I think that the script writers were way too ambitious with an impossible situation, trying to please way too many people. And it kind of becomes bland in a sense. And because of that, you're sort of left with this sort of, okay, well, it's here. It would have been nice if it were a musical, but like, I understand that you want to make sure that you're, you're trying to appease all parties and I go back to my previous statement with if you want to do something well and you want it to have a really good, um, you know, homage to the original, just make it into a Broadway musical. Yeah. Joe, do you think this movie plays differently if you see it in a theater? Because, I mean, I think we haven't talked much about the look of the movie yet. And I actually, when I was doing my research today, I... Uh, I, I there's already the the controversy I talked about a little bit with Maya. I'm sure you're aware of it, Joe, too, with the the lead actress support voicing support for the Hong Kong police last year. I guess yeah. there's a little bit of a boycott movement on the internet. I don't really think that was going to penetrate into the uh, to the living rooms of families with five year olds in America. But 
still it, it was it wasn't nothing but apparently there was also controversy on like parts of china that they filmed this in because apparently disney and the nba like doing business in the part of china that has concentration camps for muslims which is not yeah. great but at the yeah, same time I, can, I I can see yeah. why, not that i agree with it but i can also see why disney looked the other way because the movie is like pretty impressive visually based on wherever it was that they shot it and i know part of it i think was in new zealand also but uh, I'm, they shot some of it in china and the movie is visually really good so i i guess that was my long way of asking you joe like i mean i'm not gonna ask you to to justify concentration camps here but uh bigger picture though like i mean i think the movie looked pretty good do you think you lost something by watching it in your living room quick tangent yes if the marketplace scene in the aladdin remake is one of the like like worst settings I've ever seen. It just looks like incredibly fake and it's like green screen everywhere. So like, I think that you can use a green screen instead of condoning more crimes. Like, <laughs> right. so, okay. I think, uh, yes, we are, we are an anti war the, the, and thanking the part of the country that is doing the war crimes in your movie. Uh, yes. The, the, the rewind, um, the rewind is an anti war crime podcast. I would like that on the record, but, uh, okay. Joe, Joe continue. All right. But anyway, just with that out of the way, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So as a viewer, I tend to struggle with battle scenes because for some reason, I don't know if it's just a me thing or if it's the way things are shot. I just really have trouble with like battle geography and like what it all means. And maybe it's just cause I kind of tune out in those like expositiony generals talking scenes and stuff like that. And that tend to pervade these movies and all the others. But, uh, that's all to say, like, yeah, I think the theater experience would have made the battles a bit better. Like some of like some of the battle stuff, I was just kind of like, okay, like, you know, like she's, hitting him with a stick and there's like a bone like he's catching an arrow and things like that so yeah you know i mean i think it's a little easier to kind of when you just hear like you know 90 seconds of just random library like swords clanging and stuff it's easy to kind of like look away or get distracted or something whereas you know the theater experience obviously like you have the huge screen and like the surround sound and everything it's gonna be a better time yeah but i wouldn't say that like watching it at home like ruined it for me or anything to that degree i just think the theater probably would have plus the experience more than the, being at home detracted from it maya were you impressed with soldiers walking on walls uh i think that it was uh not as cool as the opening scene of the movie where you have people climbing up ropes on walls that was kind of uh yes. better for yeah. me. uh but in in you know to to add to Joe's point, if you had a green screen and you used it, then you could have done the entire war scene on an actual mountain. Just saying snow can be CGI'd in. So problem solved. You're not condoning war crimes in a movie. You're not uh, making it in a weird field, which was weird. Um, and you get to have homage to the best part of the movie, which was shooting a firework into a mountain and then causing destruction. Yeah, you know, I, I, I like Joe's point. I mean, uh, obviously, beyond just the war crimes are bad point, but also the uh, <laughs> Aladdin not looking great in the marketplace. We know that, like, uh, we know that they have the ability to do it better than that, and that, like, you know, Black Panther wasn't filmed in Africa. You know, like Wakanda, Wakanda is actually in a warehouse in Atlanta, basically. Like, right. So they they have the technological capacity to like do a lot more. I mean, here they figured let's not do that let's shoot somewhere regardless of the morality of doing so and i think they could have definitely like maya said i think it would have been more interesting to like watch this thing on a mountain than to like watch it in some like kind of uh uh i guess a plain plain or or or, or, i was talking more about the the climactic scene like in the um in the imperial uh the imperial city or wherever it is there the, the the building's already falling apart when they go to save the emperor there but like they walk on walls there but i kind of agreed with maya where it's like i mean i get that that probably feels unique for a disney movie with that people walking on walls but i probably would have rather seen a, a fight on a mountain too you know and I, I that, that that climactic battle i just didn't think totally did it for me the best battle scene was the one where she uh recklessly decides to reveal herself to be a woman by going into battle without any armor in her hair in front of her face uh, but, uh again i i still like the but decision. that was the poster of the movie josh that's how you had to get it <laughs> fair, fair fair enough again i like the choice to actually reveal herself but maybe she didn't do it in like the smartest way from a tactical standpoint uh but she was wearing red it's good luck <laughs> um but yeah i don't know it just it, it seemed like there were way more, way more possibilities for where they could have gone visually i mean yeah obviously some of this outdoor stuff like it, it looked it looked really nice and again it, you probably might you probably would 
it'd be enhanced by watching it in a theater. But at the same time, I think there is more they could have also done visually just to like, I don't know, like Maya said, pay homage to the original one in like a better way than it does in other respects. Because again, I, we don't like these movies to pay homage to the original one in every single way, but like a CGI avalanche probably would have looked pretty cool. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's like doing two disservices is by not paying homage to the original you're upsetting the fan base, but by trying to go a little too far, you're, you're kind of upsetting a whole slew of other people to the point where a Disney movie is actually being boycotted right now, which I, I don't think I've heard of that happening um, in, in recent memory. So it kind of goes to show you that if you just try not to remake every single movie that was good in the nineties, then you're safe and you don't have to make another couple million dollars. It's fine. You have, uh, you have Disney plus that's making you how much I didn't, you do the math. Somebody I know did the math about how much money that they're making off of Disney plus. It's an incredible amount. Uh, you mean just like monthly based on the amount of subscribers paying the five ninety nine or six ninety nine or whatever it is. I'm sure yes. I'm, I'm Sure, it's a lot, and I'm sure like they actually did okay with this. I mean, the last thing I was going to ask you guys, besides any other general final thoughts, was just like if you were, if, I mean, if you if if you ultimately minded paying thirty dollars for this. I mean, all things considered, all things considered, I didn't mind so much. Um, I mean, you know, I, I, taking into account like how safe it is to see a movie right now in a theater, uh, what that would cost with your theater experience, and your desire for new content as opposed to just going back and watching old stuff. I think that the purchase price is a little off-putting for a lot of people if they don't do the math about how much they spend on food and drink and movie tickets in you know 2020 right so let's say hypothetically we were able to go to a movie theater that total price if you're just two people not even child's ticket is about like 50 to 60 bucks Mm -hmm. so I had no issue staying in my pajamas and crying my eyes out during some embarrassing moments um, where nobody could see me for thirty dollars. Mm-hmm. Joe, it seems like yeah. you're you're okay with your decision ultimately. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I mean, it's obviously going to be way more profitable for them to do this than Warner Brothers rolling Tenet out into theaters, um, as we saw. But um, yeah, you I know, very I very much want to see that movie. <laughs> and uh same i yeah i haven't seen it either um, well but, we, we all live in places where you can't really go to the movies yet you know so yeah. yeah yeah but um yeah i mean all in all like you know especially if like you're a family and you got like two or three kids at home like 30 bucks to see i mean like you know they probably paid that for trolls world tour and scoob and all the others so yeah you know what's mulan too so yeah maya any other final thoughts on mulan 2020 before we wrap up um, no, I'm <laughs> sorry. I don't. <laughs> Joe, anything else? I think that I we, said enough. <laughs> yeah. Joe, anything else we didn't touch on that you wanted to make note of before we finished up? I know we perhaps touched on this briefly, yeah. um, when we were talking about Aladdin, but you know, I'm interesting to, I'm interested to see where they go when they start to sequelize these movies. Cause it's really getting to a point where Wait, I did, think did, gonna, did they announce an Aladdin they sequel? I forgot. Too. Yeah. It had it had Sandra O oh and it had Lucy Liu and um, Michelle Kwan in it. It was I did not, not good. I did not know that. I'm totally <laughs> ignorant of that because I guess a lot of these Disney straight to video sequels, you know, never really broke through. But, yeah, and Casey yeah. wanted to know what the sequel is going to be like. It's three princesses that need to be taken home uh, safely, and Mulan and uh, Li Shang uh, do that. And coincidentally, they happen to have three single male friends. So, mm. golly, what do you do? Wow, yeah. so that really – talk about like m- me talking about how having the force undercut the message of the original, that 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 just trumps that and makes that look like nothing that bad at all if you're going to all of a sudden make it all about the woman finding men. Oh, yeah, but don't worry. If you were looking for songs, Josh, they're there. <laughs> you want to know – actually, you want to know one other thing I thought was interesting? There, There is, is going to be an Aladdin sequel, right, Joe? Or was it, what was yeah. it? Yes, they've started filming an Aladdin sequel, and then at wait, the they are, wait, movie, they already started filming it. Well, they they've announced it, and it's wait, who's it's, it? Fo- who's it focusing on? Is it all the characters, or is it like kind of going off focusing on the? Oh no, they're doing something with the is Billy it Prince of Thieves. Won't they do something with the Billy Magnuson character too? Yeah, there's a spinoff of the Billy Magnuson character, but then they're I, actually doing an Aladdin sequel too. Um, is it Aladdin Prince of Thieves? I, I didn't hear about this. I don't. I don't think it's a direct remake of 
of the other of the animated sequels. I think they're just doing like an entirely new uh, oh. sequel to this remake. And then this one, like they have this, they like ask her a second time to join the Emperor's Guard, and she like we end on her like contemplating her answer. And I'm just like, yeah, we're gonna get Mulan too, and it's gonna be Mulan and the Emperor's Guard, which would be pretty cool to see because there'll be a completely new thing that we can't compare to an original. Well, so, it's also yeah. weird because uh-huh. I mean, we, this is this is uh, we, I didn't add earlier that I mean I mentioned it was directed by Nikki Caro, but it's the 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 biggest budget ever for a movie directed by a woman. And mm-hmm. I think it's – I don't think Nikki Caro quite had to go to – like her, it was funny that she ended up directing this movie because it wasn't completely dissimilar to Patty Jenkins getting Wonder Woman where Patty Jenkins had like you know directed a movie in Monster that like had an Oscar nomination and was pretty well received and then went to movie jail for no good reason because that's what they do to female directors unfortunately. And uh, Nikki Caro had made a couple movies since she broke out with Whale Rider. She made North Country, ironically, a movie that – in which Charlie Theron got an Oscar nomination, just like Monster was for Patty Jenkins. Uh, but at the same time, like hadn't done anything on this scope and uh, went went and got her. And it's just a it's a huge movie. And I don't think it's I think it's like impossible to evaluate it from like a, a financial perspective given COVID. Like you can't just say like oh well I I, I don't think they can like flippantly just toss her in, in movie jail if this movie doesn't make a ton of money because everyone understands what the extenuating circumstances are. Wouldn't put it past them. But at the same time, it's like but like how how much money do you really devote to like a, a sequel at this point? I mean, I guess some people are worried that like all movies are going to become like massive big budget movies or micro budget movies as a result of COVID. But at the same time, like given what happened with Mulan specifically with the 200 million, 200, 300 million dollar budget, whatever it was, like how soon are they going to actually rush a sequel that has like the same production value as this one? I I, I don't know. I mean, but I mean, I, I think that there, there might not even be a continuation just because of the the negative conversation that's happening around this movie. Um, Mm -hmm. They want to kind of steer away from that as much as possible. But in addition to that, if Disney is trying to take this route a little bit more seriously, even to like an Oscar route now, um, as of 2024, all movies have to have a certain representation um, requirement in their um, in their film. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen with that as well. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. some news that broke today. I don't have those new requirements in front of me. A lot of it can have the, the. I know it involves various different components of like four different parts that two of which need to be met, whether it be on screen actor representation, behind the scenes with the writers and producers, or kind of like the the marketing department or the studio producing it needs to have a diverse internship program. There's a lot of facets in that and you know i mean maybe it would make disney more predisposed to figure out a way to do another version of milan but like maya said you know this one's had its bumps as far as uh outside noise and a lot of criticism it's gotten for reasons that go beyond what is actually seen on the screen or maybe exactly what is seen on the screen in the case of where they filmed it uh but i don't know i i I think it's an interesting point joe because i mean it seemed like even though we're all cynical and a lot of people are cynical about the fact that they're remaking these movies uh most of them in times when the world is more normal than it is now like they make money so i'd be curious to see which ones they do decide to push forward with i guess aladdin did make a lot of money um and I don't even know if it got, but I might probably it got worse reviews. I think than Mulan did, right? Um, yeah. yeah, I don't think worse than Mulan. I th- I think Mulan got pretty terrible view uh, reviews. Yeah, we were looking yeah. at reception. Reception. Where is that? Uh, Aladdin, I think, was pretty like sixty something percent, like maybe low seventy. Oh, yeah, Mulan got seventy five percent on Rotten Tomatoes because I mean, again, I with all the uh, necessary disclaimers that Rotten Tomatoes is not the end all be all of everything, but I feel like Aladdin was like less than sixty. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it a was, lot of the Mulan Rotten Tomatoes reviews came in March before everything um, sort of happened with COVID. So keep that one in mind because the premiere was actually many months ago yeah it was it was like right up it, it was it was originally going to come out in march um mm-hmm. no I, I i think that um a lot of these reviews um they didn't take into account a, a lot of different elements that did not make the movie um as a strong of a contender for anything of merit hmm. and it took basically people thinking about it a little bit more to really come to that conclusion, in my opinion. Um, Not that a movie should be rated on anything outside of its cinematic, um, you know, presentation, but I think that the more you really sit on it and the expectation that a lot of people had for this movie, when it came sort of flat um, at the advent, especially with a $30 price tag, 
you're going to see the critic reviews pan it. Um, I mean, the well, audience they, they, reviews they, they, pan it more than the critic reviews. Right, right. The critics get to see it for free anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, yeah, it, it'll be really interesting to see just what direction it ends up going if they try and build on this at all. Because, I mean, I don't know. I feel like people are also just, like, so fond of the original. Um, not that they aren't fond of most of the, these originals, but just, I mean, I don't know. I feel like... Uh, this being the departure it was and not exactly just like be getting quite the unanimous praise they would have hopefully hopefully gotten it could be it'll be interesting to see if they try and like build on it at all or they just like you know put it on the shelf for a little bit we'll see mm-hmm. um joe uh before we sign off anything else you've been watching recently you want to plug on our recommendation streaming recommendation corner uh if you watched mulan especially if you watched it with your kids um i recommend the one and only ivan which is a fine family movie that's actually really quite elevated by Brian Cranston uh, being in it. I just, I don't know. I think he does like a really lovely performance for a nice little uh, family drama. So that's on Disney plus, but Wait, so it's, it's a live action movie on Disney plus. It's a talking animal. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. I, I, it's about a gorilla. It's about a gorilla who paints. But, we were uh, talking about being drama and I was like, wait, what, what is this thing? I haven't, I feel like I heard one person talk about it and I didn't really know much else. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, you know, I mean, don't go in and expecting the world, but um, it's like a sweet little movie, and it's a know. it's a Disney Plus original that's kind of new. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, cool. I know, Maya. You've had you've had an hour to think about it. Have you watched anything besides The Sopranos recently? You'd like to tell the people about? It could be even something you've read. We've had people give book recommendations oh, too. I, I did think about it. Um, the Boys season two premiered oh. on Amazon Prime on September third, <laughs> and if you like superhero stuff, then you might not like this. But <laughs> <laughs> that is a good recommendation. I watched season one of The Boys. I've not started season two yet. I'll probably get to it at some point. But they're, they, they didn't oh, drop. They, they didn't drop all episodes at once, right? They did like the first three, and then they're going to do it the weekly. First and then it's going to be weekly culminating on my birthday. Happy birthday to me. But I think nice. uh, the reason why I like this a lot more is because I didn't realize that the character, um, the actor playing Huey, is the son of Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid, oh, which yeah. makes me very happy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, his, his, it's Jack Quaid, right? And he's... Uh, Jack Quaid. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. A, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cool, charming performance that he gives. But like, and I'm very I'm very excited because I'm, I'm a fan of Aya Cash, who I know plays like the new superhero that's in the, it's in, it, that kind of joins the crew or whatever. And I haven't watched it yet, but I'm very much looking forward to that. Great recommendation. I've I've watched I watched a lot the last couple of weeks. I one thing because they uh, over at the Big Picture they did an Alfred Hitchcock episode, and I I I, I wanted to go try and w- w- watch a couple more Alfred Hitchcock movies before I even listened to that. So I, I, I last weekend I watched Dial M for Murder and The Man Who Knew Too Much, uh, both really fun. I I'd, I'd, I'd watched Witness for the Prosecution a few weeks ago, and that was like a a, a great lawyer performance is watching a lawyer go to work and be meticulous and do his thing and be very thorough with this questioning so it was kind of cool that like even though the detective wasn't necessarily the central character for some of uh dial in for murder like to see him just kind of like navigate a detective kind of navigate his way through a uh, uh through a movie that wasn't exactly a whodunit but uh who the, will they get away with it was actually a pretty interesting different thing for an alfred hitchcock movie i mean that's kind of what rope is about too but rope is like kind of effed up in its own way whereas here it's like there's an actual cop on the scene that's working to figure it out and it's really interesting to see how it how it gets resolved and uh man who knew too much is also just like a, a really good thriller so i which mean which one did you see the original or the remake i saw the one from the 50s uh i had to rent that, it I, don't watch the original it's not very good okay as yeah. someone who loves the remake um and also if you like dial in for a murder you should watch m an amazing peter laurie performance yeah. So, and then uh, also, Dial in for Murder is on 2B TV for free. So that's somewhere where you can more easily watch that. Like a lot of Alfred Hitchcock stuff. Some of it's on. Um, some of it's on Peacock now, and um, I think he has a few things on uh, Criterion. But you can you can kind of find some of them poking like sitting around there. Even if some of the ones that like are classics like rebecca one best picture i've never seen is only available on uh on criterion dvd at the moment so i probably gonna have to like if i want to watch that before the new one comes out that the trailer dropped for two days ago i need to like actually find a way to play dvds so uh yeah uh joe before we sign off anything you want to plug your twitter the braves anything well, I have the Braves game on in the background here, and they're winning twenty-two to eight, which is kind of cool. 
So. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, I was like, I, 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 at one point, I saw you look away from the screen. I was like, "Is he watching the Braves?" And then I looked at my phone. Then I looked at my phone. And I saw it was sixteen to eight. I was like, "Joe can't be that distracted by the Braves. He has nothing to worry about." Even though, if you followed Joe's, Joe's Twitter feed, you would think the Braves were like in last place because he really just complains about them, even though they're in first place. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. It is full on, just like whining. So yeah. it's great. <laughs> All right. Maya's always yeah. an empty book. She doesn't usually promote stuff, so I'm not going to make her. I can promote that. the Miami Heat Eastern Conference Finals. No, yeah. I, no. As a Philly, as a as a Sixers fan, I don't really want to think any more about Jimmy Butler than I have to right now. So I'm hey, just going to make it Billy Donovan. You should be very yeah. happy. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to move on and uh, say if you want to follow the podcast, it's on uh, Twitter at Rewind Movie Pod. Gmail, rewindmoviepod at gmail.com. I'm Josh Chernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-I on Twitter and Letterboxd. Coming up next week on the pod, I think we might actually revisit 2006's Pride and Prejudice because it's one I've never seen, even as I've watched a few more uh, uh, Jane Austen adaptations before. And I, uh, our friend Denise, who's uh, joined us before on the, a few different rom-com pods, I thought it'd be fun to have her on for a change of pace. I saw her, saw her tweeting about that. So uh, that's a fun one to revisit. And uh, yeah, we're still going to be talking about some old stuff for the next few weeks, I think, before I'm brave enough to venture out to an actual movie theater or just start getting more new stuff, just getting on Netflix and stuff like that. So uh, everyone uh, stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.